وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ And in truth, we have sent the Qur'an. We have sent it down. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ We have sent the Qur'an with the truth. Meaning, we have sent it containing the truth. وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ And with the truth, it has descended. Meaning the truth it is that it has brought. We sent truth in it, and it brought truth. Because sometimes it happens that you send something, but what the other receives is something else. Right? It gets changed in the process of coming to you, of reaching you. You know, for example, you order a product online, and by the time it reaches you, it's all melted. You ordered some cream, and because of extreme weather, it's either frozen or it's all you know separated. It doesn't come in its right form. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about the Qur'an? We have sent it with the truth, and the truth it has brought. It didn't get changed. It didn't get altered in the process. So what does this mean? That the very message that Allah sent to us, that is the message that we have received. Because who brought it down? Who brought it down? Angel Jibreel. And who was Jibreel? Ruhul Amin. The most trustworthy angel. And not just that, that he's trustworthy, he's also strong. So that shayateen cannot cause any harm. And then who was the Qur'an brought to? Whose heart? The Prophet ﷺ. Who was he? Truthful, trustworthy. Someone with sharp memory. And he conveyed the Qur'an. He passed it on. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ We sent it containing the truth and that is what it has brought. What was the purpose of sending the Qur'an? To send the truth. Was that purpose accomplished? Yes, it was accomplished because the truth was brought. And likewise, what this means is that Allah has revealed the truth and the truth shall actualize. Whatever promises Allah has made in the Qur'an, they will be fulfilled. Whatever news Allah has given to us in the Qur'an, that will happen, that definitely will take place. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا And we have not sent you, O Prophet ﷺ, except as a mubashir and a nadir. Who is mubashir? One who conveys bashara, good news. And who is nadir? One who conveys warning. So we have sent you with the responsibility to give good news to those who believe and do good, and also at the same time warn. Warn people against what is dangerous. وَقُرْآنًا and Qur'an, meaning this Qur'an, فَرَقْنَاهُ We have separated it. فَرْقْ فَرَقَافُ What does it mean? To separate. So this Qur'an, we have separated it. How has the Qur'an been separated? In its revelation. It wasn't revealed, all of it, in its entirety, in one go. But how was it revealed? In parts. In parts, in sections. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would receive the wahi containing an entire surah. A long surah that we would take days to read. And sometimes he would get wahi, revelation, of just a few verses. Sometimes he would receive revelation, just one verse. And sometimes part of a verse. فَرَقْنَاهُ we have separated it in its revelation. Why? Was there a reason for that? 
Of course, because the Qur'an was always revealed as an answer, as a guidance, you know, for the problem that the Muslims were facing or the questions that they had. You know, for example, in Surah Al-Baqarah we learn, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ They ask you, they ask you. So when the Prophet ﷺ was asked about certain matters, then what happened? Answers were revealed. So فَرَقْنَاهُ We have separated in its revelation. And how long was the entire period in which the Qur'an was revealed? How many years? 23 years. And we want to read the Qur'an in just one year. We want to fully understand it and fully know it in one year. Is it possible? Think about it. If the Prophet ﷺ was given the Qur'an in 23 years, can we ever do justice in reading the Qur'an, in studying the Qur'an by spending only one year? Or by spending even five years or six years? Can we ever do justice to it? So then, what does it mean? Does the study of the Qur'an ever end? I mean, if it took him 23 years to receive the Qur'an, I would at least double that up for myself. That would be the bare minimum, that I would double that duration for myself. And that would mean 46 years minimum. Minimum. And that's like an average lifetime. Right? After adulthood or after reaching maturity. So, basically what that means is that you can never ever stop learning the Qur'an. You can never ever stop understanding the Qur'an. You can never say, yeah, yeah, I know this ayah. Because even if right now I asked you something that you answered in the last class, you won't be able to answer it right now. Even though there's only been one week. Because as human beings we forget. Right? And it's not just with the Qur'an, it's with everything. With everything. If you studied a particular math thing in your high school, okay, and it's been years since you ever looked at those books, and I questioned you about something, you won't be able to answer. I won't be able to answer it. Ask me certain formulas or certain equations, I'm sorry, don't ask me. I don't remember anything of that anymore. Right? Because we're human beings, we forget. So, وَقُرْآنًا فَرَقْنَاهُ We have separated its revelation. Why? What's the reason? Tell me from the ayah. Read the ayah. Read the ayah. لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ Why are you so quiet? Say it. Say it out loud. لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ So that you may read the Qur'an to the people. How? Ala muktin. Over a mukth. Now what is this mukth? Mukth. Does it remind you of something? Any word? Any word? Meem kafta. Makatha. Makithina. No? Doesn't remind you? Okay. Basically what this word means is to stay somewhere for a long time. Long time. To remain in wait for something for a long time. This is what makatha is. So we have revealed the Qur'an to you in parts so that you may recite the Qur'an to the people over a prolonged period of time. Not in one day, not in one year, but a prolonged period of time. And how much was that? 23 years. Because the longer it takes to complete the Qur'an, the better it is the better it is. Why? Because it's an excuse to spend more time with the Qur'an. It's an excuse to learn more, to remember more. Because you know what happens? 
Once you feel that, oh, I've reached Surah nas okay, now close and put away. I know it. And then when that thought comes, you know, I should read the Qur'an. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I read it. I read Surah Al-Baqarah to Surah Al-Nas. I took all 30 juice tests, all 30 assignments. I did them. I have my certificate. Then what happens? When you feel like you've done it, you've accomplished it. You don't need it anymore. But what do we learn here? لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ It's an excuse to spend more time with the Qur'an. Which means that even when you complete the recitation of the Qur'an, the study of the Qur'an once, don't leave it. You need to start again. You need to start again. And this is why you must have seen, you know, any takbil ceremony that you go to, whether it's a child who is, you know, completing his memorization of the Qur'an, what happens when he recites Surah Al-Nas? What does he recite next? Surah Al-Fatiha again. Why? Start again. Read again. This past summer, I had gone to Dallas for... Um, Al-Huda Convocation. And the chief guest over there was Sheikh Yasir Qadi. And he gave a lecture on the importance of studying the Qur'an. And after his talk, he had a quiz. Okay, for all the participants, especially the students. Right? And that quiz was basically to give the number of the women who are mentioned directly or indirectly in the Qur'an. And he gave us like 10 minutes or something. And when he asked for the answer, some people said 10, some said 18, some said 20, some said more, some said less. And then when he went over the list, you know how many people got the right answer? Zero. And who are these people? Graduates. Graduates. What graduates? Don't ever think you have completed the study of the Qur'an. Never, ever tell yourself, I know the Qur'an. Never tell yourself, I understand the Qur'an. Ask me any ayah, I'll tell you the meaning. No way. Because firstly, we have not spent 23 years with the Qur'an. And secondly, no matter what we have learned about the Qur'an, it is not enough. There is more to learn, more to reflect on. What was the answer? He went over the entire list, and now I don't remember the exact number. See? I don't remember it. So this is our reality. We don't know, no matter how much we know. There is always a need to learn more. So لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ And the word مُكْث also means to stop and wait, to pause. Okay, Because it's basically you're waiting for a long time for something to happen, for something to come. You're waiting. So when you're waiting for somebody, then what do you do? You wait for a few minutes and you're like, you know what, let me do this. And then you stop and then you're waiting. Then, okay, let me fill my time with this. And then you stop again. Okay, let me fill my time with this. And then you stop again. So you see, time after time, you stop. So basically what it's referring to is over intervals. That every few days, you know, every few weeks, there's new revelation, new wahi. And that becomes a source of guidance. Okay? Because I don't know if it happens with you, but it happens with me at least, that when you study the Qur'an, you reflect over the ayat of the Qur'an after one week, and in that week you've gone through so many storms and so many issues and so many problems and so much crying and so much, you know, so many questions. And then when you study the Qur'an, you're like, yeah, of course, this is the answer. This is the answer. Now I get it. Now I understand why that was happening. Now that makes sense to me. 
So when you have this kind of a connection with the Qur'an on a constant regular basis, that every now and then, every day, every few days, you refer to the Qur'an, you study it, you reflect on it, then it becomes a source of guidance for you. وَنَزَّلْنَاهُ تَنزِيلًا And we have revealed the Qur'an as a tanzil. And remember what tanzil is? Gradual revelation. Not all the Qur'an in one go, but time after time, part after part. According to need and according to situation. Now, the mushrikeen of Makkah, they had an issue with this also. They said, you know, you say wahi comes to you, but how come all the wahi doesn't come to you at once? Why is it coming to you? You know, every few days or every few weeks or every few months. Why not everything at once? In the Qur'an we learn, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ عَلَيْهِ الْقُرْآنُ جُمْلَةً وَاحِدًا How come the Qur'an has not been given to him in one go? كَذَلِكْ Allah says, كَذَلِكْ لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ We have done this in order to strengthen your heart. In order to give strength to your heart. Do we need that as people? Hmm? You're going through so much trouble in your life. A new issue comes up. And then you learn about you know, certain ayat that really motivate you to be more patient and more firm and more forgiving. لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ قُلْ آمِنُوا بِهِ أَوْ لَا تُؤْمِنُوا Allah says, say to them, believe in it or don't believe in it. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference whether you believe or you don't believe. You can never dishonor the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is honorable in itself. آمِنُوا بِهِ أَوْ لَا تُؤْمِنُوا and if you don't believe, it doesn't matter because إِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ Indeed, those people who were given knowledge before it, meaning the people of the book who were truly following the Torah, the Injil, before the Qur'an came, those people, إِذَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ When the Qur'an is recited to them, يَخِرُّونَ They fall. لِلْأَذْقَانِ On their faces, on their chins. سُجَّدَ In prostration. They fall in prostration, in humility. Why? Because they recognize the Qur'an as soon as it is recited upon them. يَخِرُونَ خَرَرَ To fall. So they fall uncontrollably. They hear it and they fall in sajda. لِلْأَذْقَان أَذْقَان is the plural of ذَقْن and ذَقْن is chin. Feel your chin? Hmm? So what is that over here? يَخِرُونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ سُجَّدًا They fall into prostration on their chins. What does that mean? Exactly. Like when you're sitting... Okay, and you start crying, then what do you do? You bend your head, right? And what goes first on the table or, or touches your chest? It's your chin. So, sujada. This is how they fall in prostration. Like immediately they bend. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, سُبْحَانَ رَبِّنَا Glorified is our Lord. إِنْ كَانَ وَعْدُ رَبِّنَا لَمَفْعُولًا Indeed, the promise of our Lord is surely maf'ul. It's done. It's fulfilled. It's accomplished. Allah promised us that He would send a final messenger. He would send a final revelation. And here it is. It has come. Maf'ul. What does maf'ul mean? One that is done. So the promise of our Lord, fulfilled. Like we learned earlier, وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ It will be accomplished. It will be actualized. So the promise of our Lord has been fulfilled because they were waiting. Like Salman al-Farsi, was he not waiting? He was a Christian man, he was waiting to see who the Prophet, the last messenger would be, what the last book would be, waiting. And imagine when you're waiting for something, looking forward to it, and then you find it. What is your state? 
or extreme joy, happiness. إِنْ كَانَ وَعْدُ رَبِّنَا لَمَفْعُولًا وَيَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ And they fall upon their faces. This is mentioned again. What does it show? If Allah is repeating something, why? Because He loves this reaction in people. Yes. Very true. That when a big burden is taken off of you, when you feel relieved, then what happens? You feel so light that you literally just sit down, you collapse. But it's not collapse of you know out of depression. It's out of extreme joy that you're like, you're amazed. You're astonished that really this is done? It's here? وَيَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ يَبُكُونَ And they cry. وَيَزِيدُهُمْ خُشُوعًا It increases them in humble submission. The more they hear the Qur'an, the more fearful they become, the more humble they become. And remember khushu' is actually the fear of the heart, which translates into humility on the body. Humility on the body. So يَزِيدُهُمْ خُشُوعًا قُلْ سَيْ أُدْعُوا اللَّهَ أَوْ Tell these mushrikeen who refuse to believe. Call upon Allah or call upon Ar-Rahman. Meaning, call him Allah or call him Ar-Rahman. Ayyamatadu. Whichever name you call him with. Falahul Asma'ul Husna. He has the most beautiful, the most perfect names. You see the mushrikeen, they were familiar with the name Allah, but they were not familiar with the name Ar-Rahman. So every time the name of Allah Ar-Rahman was mentioned, they would get irritated. So when Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim would be written, they would get really upset. Every time Ar-Rahman was mentioned, they would get annoyed. So Allah says, call him Allah or call him Ar-Rahman. Whatever name. You don't like Ar-Rahman? Why you don't like it? Falahul Asma'ul Husna. He has the most beautiful names. Have you ever reflected on the meaning of Ar-Rahman? Why do you deny that He is the most merciful? Why do you deny Him His name, this description? He is the most merciful. فَلَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ husna. وَلَا تَجْهَرْ بِصَلَاتِكَ The Prophet ﷺ is advised at the end of the surah. وَلَا تَجْهَرْ بِصَلَاتِكَ Because you see when he went for Mi'raj, which is mentioned at the beginning of the surah, the night journey, what gift was he given? Of salah. In the middle of the surah we learned about when to pray. Right? The timings of prayers. And here we're learning about how to pray. وَلَا تَجْهَرْ بِصَلَاتِكَ Do not make your salah jahr. وَلَا تُخَافِتْ Nor should you make it completely of khufut. Now, what does this mean? Have you heard about jahri salah and sirri salah? Jahri salah, what is that? When the recitation is out loud. Right? When a person recites in a way that others can hear him. So the Prophet ﷺ is told that don't make your salah entirely jahr. Entirely jahr. That every word you are saying it out loud. Alright? And this is how we're supposed to pray. Hmm? That don't make your entire salah out loud. And on the other hand, don't go to the other extreme, which is wala tukhafit biha. Khafata, khufut. Khufut is to be silent. To be inaudible. So don't perform your salah in a way that people are wondering, are you even saying anything? Is your mouth closed? Are your lips even moving? Don't go to that extreme either. 
then how وَبْتَغِي بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا Find a way between that. Be moderate. Allah loves moderation. Extremes is something that Allah does not like. Moderation. What do we like? Just find an extreme and stick to it because it's easy. Do one thing only. But what is beautiful? Moderation. A little of this and a little of that. Moderation. So anyway, وَبْتَغِي بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا Now, the thing is that when the Prophet ﷺ he would recite the Qur'an, he would raise his voice and also lower it. So even when he was reciting the Qur'an in salah, he would not recite it in one tone only. No. Parts of it high, parts of it low. What is that called? Voice. Right? That's voice. Meaning, you know what you're reading. You know what you're saying. You're saying it consciously. You know, with some life in it. You mean it. And this is why you raise your voice and you also lower it. So this is what the Prophet ﷺ adopted. Ibn Abbas said that when the Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an at home, only the people in his home could hear his voice. What do we like to do? Yell. So loud that everybody can hear. The whole world can hear. Not a recitation of the Qur'an, not at all. No, no. We don't want anyone to hear. Not even our teacher. But when we're talking generally, what do we do? So loud that we are disturbing other people. What are we told? Seek a moderate way. So my dear sisters, in your tajweed class, please find a moderate level. Okay? Don't be so low that your teacher has to come and stand next to you and watch you and look at your lips. Are they moving? And look at your eyes. Are they following? No, read for your own good. Because when you will read... Imagine, this table is going to be a witness. The floor that you're sitting on is going to be a witness. And if they don't hear, then why would they testify for you? Hmm? Then, this ayah, it's beautifully explained from a narration in which we learned that once the Prophet ﷺ passed by Abu Bakr who was reciting the Qur'an in a very soft voice. So very, very soft. And then he passed by Umar who was also reciting the Qur'an, but very loudly. So the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr, that increase your voice a little bit. And he told Umar anhu to lower his voice a little bit. sabila. Now, when it comes to salah, there's two kinds of ways in which we perform salah. One is individually, and the other is in jama'ah. Correct? Now, when it comes to praying individually, how should we pray? Don't make your salah entirely loud so that you're whispering so loud that the person sitting at the back of the room can also hear you. You know, for example, sometimes when we are praying, we're saying, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. I mean, it's good, you can focus. However, the person standing next to you, they cannot focus at all. Because you're making your entire salah out so loud. So be considerate over there. Alright? The Sahaba say that when the Prophet ﷺ would be leading us in prayer, which was Sirri, then he would make... You know, part of his recitation, audible. So for example, he would be reciting, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. You understand? So what happens in this way is that you stay awake. You stay awake through your prayer. 
you're not just reading with your mouth and your head is thinking about shopping. Right? So you're awake. And it's also beautiful. People know that you are praying and salah is what you're talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So say something. You know sometimes when we pray, we don't even say anything with our mouths. I've seen people not moving their lips at all. Is this a conversation? If I stand in front of you with my mouth shut, is this a conversation? What is a conversation? That I'm talking to you even if it's a whisper. It's a private conversation. Right? Very intimate. And that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So make parts of it audible and parts of it inaudible. And this is for the whole salah. The qiyam, even the rukur. So for example, but don't make the scene so loud that the whole congregation can hear. Okay? Balance, 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 moderation. Alright? Now, when it comes to salah in congregation, right? Salah in congregation. Now again, the entire salah should not be out loud. Part of it is out loud. And what is that? Just the qiyam. And that also should not be in a manner that the imam is shouting. He's yelling or she's yelling. No. Recite in a way that is beautiful, moderate. وَبْتَغِ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا وَقُلْ And say, Alhamdulillah, All praise to Allah. All thanks to Allah. Why? Because He alone is worthy of it. Who is He? الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا The one who has not taken any child. He doesn't have any child. He has not adopted any child. He has not made any child. Neither male nor female. Why? Because he's perfect. And he's free of need. And there is nothing like him. And if he were to have a child, then the child would be like him. And when the child would be like him, then that means there would not be one God anymore. There would be multiple gods. And what would that mean? That God is imperfect. لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا Allah has not taken any child. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ And he has no partner in his mulk, in his dominion, in his kingship. So he alone is the creator. He alone is the master. He alone is the disposer of affairs. He alone is the controller. لَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذل. And he does not have any wali due to dhul. He doesn't have any friend or protector out of weakness. Dhul. What is dhul? To be dhalil. To be weak. To be humble. That when someone is weak themselves and they're not able to accomplish their goals or they're not able to do their work themselves, what do they need? A friend to give a hand. Right? A protector to shelter them. Someone to guard them because they cannot guard themselves. They're not confident so they need somebody else's support. Allah does not have any wali out of dhul. Does he have friends? Of course. There are people whom Allah calls awliya Allah. Ala inna awliya Allah. La khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun. And who are awliya Allah? Alladina amanu wa kanu yattaqoon. Every person who believes and who fears God, who is he? A friend of Allah. A friend of Allah. Who? The person who believes and the person who fears Allah. 
If you ever feel like you have no friends, somebody asks you, who's your best friend? Like really, really, really best friend. Many times you'll hear this answer, I don't make any close friends. Why? Because I've been disappointed many times in the past. Or for some reason, I just don't like being close to anybody. Because you have to move on, and life happens, and things change, and that's very hurtful. Have friends amongst people, but realize that if you believe, and if you fear Allah, Allah is your friend. Allah is your friend. He doesn't need your friendship, but He honors you with His friendship. He honors you with His friendship. This is why it is said, وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِنَ الذُّلْ He doesn't have a wali out of weakness. He has wali. He has friends. Why? He honors them. Because He protects them. He helps them. وَكَبِّرْهُ And glorify Him with great glorification. Kabir. Do takbir. How? Takbira. Great glorification. Meaning in the greatest and best possible way. Because that is what He deserves. Glorify Him. Mention His greatness in your heart, on your tongue, in your soul. Realize His greatness. Kabirhu takbira. And this ayah is called Ayatul Izz. The verse of honor. Whose honor? Allah's supreme honor and glory. Because what is mentioned in it? First of all, the fact that He alone deserves praise. And then the fact that there is no one like Him, not a child, not a partner. And then thirdly, that He's the supreme authority. And then He doesn't have any weakness. And then, كَبِّرْهُ takbira, Ayatul Izz, verse of Izz, verse of glory. Because Allah is praised and glorified in this ayah. The ayah begins with, Alhamdulillah. And it ends with, كَبِّرْهُ takbira, Say Allahu Akbar. Oh wow, mashallah, I didn't intend that. But yeah, go ahead and say that. Allahu Akbar. Good. Yes, the surah begins with Subhanalladhi. What is Subhanallah? What does it mean? Perfect is my Lord, above any weakness. He's free from any flaw, any imperfection. And the surah ends with Kabbirhu takbira. Say Allahu Akbar because He truly is the greatest and mean it. And you see how salah is mentioned over and over again in this surah? Right? In different ways. The timing of it, the method of it, its recitation. Because salah begins with what? Allahu Akbar. Truly, really, from my heart, I believe that Allah is the greatest. Greater than what? Everything. Nothing is great right now. No one is great. Truly Allah is greatest. And when do you say Allahu Akbar in salah? So many times. When you go into rukur, when you go into sajda, when you get up from sajda, you're saying, you're mentioning Allah's greatness. In rukur, what do you do? Tasbih. In sujood, what do you do? Tasbih. When you say Allahu Akbar at the beginning of salah, what do you say? Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Right? And this cannot be done unless a person really feels Allah's greatness. How do you feel Allah's greatness? By realizing that He can do anything. He can take His servant in one night from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa. He can give any command. I mean, look at Fir'aun and his power and that can be destroyed. He can do anything. He created the skies and the earth. He created all of these people. 
All power is with Allah. Realize His greatness. And when you realize His greatness, then submit to Him. Then worship Him. And praise Him. And honor Him in your life. وَكَبِّرْهُ تَكْبِيرًا We'll listen to the recitation of these verses. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا وَقُرْآنًا فَرَقْنَاهُ لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْفٍ وَنَزَّلْنَاهُ تَنْزِيلًا قُلْ آمِنُوا بِهِ أَوْ لَا تُؤْمِنُوا إِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ إِذَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ يَخِرُّونَ يَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ سُجَّدًا وَيَقُولُونَ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّنَا إِنْ كَانَ وَعْدُ رَبِّنَا لَمَفْعُولًا وَيَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ يَبْكُونَ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ خُشُوعًا قُلْ ادْعُوا اللَّهَ أَوْ ادْعُوا الرَّحْمَنَ أَيَّمَا تَدْعُوا فَلَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى وَلَا تَجْهَرْ بِصَلَاتِكَ وَلَا تُخَافِتْ بِهَا وَابْتَغِ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا وَقُلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذُّلِّ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذُّلِّ وَكَبِّرْهُ تَكْبِيرًا الله أكبر Okay, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.